Uh, the acts of worship that we participated in so far, we're just thankful for the opportunity that presents itself today. Thankful that you are here. And as we always say and try to always say in our announcements and even here at the beginning of the lesson, we hope that you can be a part of any or all of our services, our activities together. Uh, several things coming up in the next couple of months, things like the work day and things like uh, youth events and opportunities to be together outside of just here at worship. And we're always thankful when we can enjoy uh, time with brothers and sisters, getting to know one another, getting to encourage one another, but especially this morning as we have come together to worship God. We appreciate Don leading us in our singing and the thoughtfulness that he has put forth and, and leading us in the songs that he's selected. We appreciate Charles and leading us in our thoughts around the Lord's table. As we have mentioned before, we could argue about whether or not it's the most important thing uh, or not as we go through our worship service, but it certainly seems to be that the early church met together to do that and that we would be wise in taking time and effort and putting forth thought in that part of our service as opposed to just sort of blowing through it or moving on to the next part. And so we appreciate Charles in doing that and, and Bob, as many of our men do, doing a, a fantastic job and wording us in a beautiful prayer. And we just appreciate your participation in our service today as well. You know, there's probably nothing as precious as a newborn baby, right? There's nothing as precious as when you can see a baby. In fact, what usually happens is if we are going through a store or a place or someone comes in to the building even before services and, and you see the, the car seat carrier or you see someone holding, you know, a, a small little package like a baby and everybody goes, it's a baby. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's encouraging. It's precious. And we, we love that. It makes us feel good. I know there's some difficulty. I know there's less sleep and there's diapers to be changed and all these things for, for parents, but especially for the rest of us, right, who aren't parents or family, it's a baby. We love that. You may have heard me say before, but there's nothing else, much else in this life that gets my wife more excited than seeing a precious baby. She'll, she'll sniff them out, see them coming, and want to chase them down in the auditorium because we love a precious but newborn baby. But as I was thinking about our services today and the lesson and the point that we want to gain from the things that we're going to talk about today, it doesn't take very long, and sometimes it's just four to six years later where to be a baby becomes something that's derogatory, right? Where maybe two kids are fighting and fussing together and the other one says, you're a baby, right? And that's not good. That's no longer the sweet little precious newborn package that we love to love on and to hold. But it becomes something that is a derogatory comment. Someone else might say, and even parents sometimes say, stop acting like a baby. Well, that's not a good thing, right? That's a bad thing. You are acting childish and you need to act your age or act Better And so I thought it was kind of interesting to consider this dichotomy of at one point, it's a very encouraging thing, and it's something that we love, but not too long later, it becomes something that is something to try to take someone down or to get after them a little bit. So which is it then? Is it something to be desired, or is it something to be avoided? Now, if you have your bulletin in front of you, if you picked one up and you're following along there, I've already had one comment about the titles of the lesson. They said, oh, you think you're, you're cute, huh? You think you got it figured out. If you see the titles of the lesson, both morning and afternoon, there's not a contradiction here, okay? And maybe it is a little bit of a drawback to try to get you to come back this afternoon, but there's not a contradiction here. We can say, as we're going to look at this morning, that you need to be a baby, but then also don't be a baby. 
This morning we are going to suggest, as we go through our lesson though, that yes, in some sense, we need to be a baby. If you would like to go ahead and turn in your Bibles as we begin this morning to John chapter 3. I almost had to tackle Charles. I thought he was going to step on my lesson here and during the, the communion thoughts. But turn to John chapter 3. It is a, certainly a great chapter. And as uh, Charles pointed out for us, John 3.16, of course, was often referred to as the golden text of the Bible. is is a wonderful thing. But if you know anything about John chapter 3, you'll note that we're not even going to get to verse number 16. Because what we're going to talk about is before that. As you turn to John chapter 3, of course, the full context is verses 1 through 21. And in verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Then notice verse number 3, Jesus' first response. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, in this discussion, Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And let's go through verse number 8. But Jesus answers a second time and says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is, one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. As you think about this particular section of Scripture and Nicodemus' questions, and not only his initial question or kind of statement to Jesus, but his secondary question, right, where it seems as if he's confused. He doesn't quite understand. I am old. I am of age. I cannot be physically born again. Now, I was guessing, and I think I'm probably right, that, that many of you have heard lessons on this passage before, and you know that Nicodemus is a little off here He's not quite thinking correctly. You know that when I have the title of the lesson that says, Be a Baby, that I'm not suggesting that we could literally be babies again or that there's some type of physicalness about this. But despite your physical age, when you obey the gospel, you are a spiritual babe. Whether you were in your 50s, 60s, 70s, whether you are in your 20s or teens, you became a spiritual babe. To begin this morning, we might say it this way, if you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. You must be born again. If you want to go to heaven, we might say you must be a baby. That, of course, is where the title comes from. That is what we're trying to think about. You must become a spiritual infant. Now, again, this is not a physical birth. No one would even suggest that, and Jesus is not suggesting that. Nicodemus seems confused, but when Jesus says you must be born again, a new birth is absolutely necessary. It is absolutely necessary to the process as we think about wanting to go to heaven. You see, I think a lot of people would answer that question in the affirmative, that they want to. If, if we line people up, as we sometimes say, and we went down through the streets of Saudi Daisy or, or Chattanooga and we ask people, do you want to go to heaven? Most would say yes. 
How many of them know that you must be born again? Well, certainly in the South and the Bible Belt and that kind of thing, many people have heard that phrase before. When we talk about Christendom, as we sometimes say, people say, well, are you a born-again Christian? So they kind of understand that idea. But it sounds like something that doesn't quite connect to some people. A new birth is absolutely necessary. Now, I hope that you'll keep Nicodemus in mind, especially if you're going to be back with us this afternoon, because we're going to talk about him again. But this lays the foundation, right? And this is the title, Be a Baby. You must be born again. But here's the question then, and let me ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll, I'll go ahead and share with you that this is, 1 Peter chapter 2 is where I, I was sort of headed with the lesson originally, but, but of course if we're going to talk about being born again, we must talk about John chapter 3. But if we're saying that you must be born again, and that's pretty simple, then a person might have the next question, which is, well, how do babies act? I mean, that, again, we understand, okay, then, that, that there's not maybe not a physical birth, but, but how is it that babies Acts sometimes. As you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering. In fact, the word suffering is used some 17 times in Peter's epistle here. But notice what he refers to them as in chapter 1 and verse number 23, first of all. Actually, let's go back to 22 to grab the context. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now you may see a comma there and the thought continues on, but for our purposes right now, we'll pause right there. But he says they have been born again. These people, or at least some of these people, were babies. They were babes. They were not under the age of five, maybe, but they were spiritual infants. Right here he says they have been born again. Now go to chapter 2, and let's look there. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's break this down and think about it a little bit more in the time that we have left. But how is it that babies act? How do babies act? Well, first of all, they desire milk. You see, when sometimes when we read, we have to really read through a passage of Scripture a few times in order to, to get the, the understanding. The commas and the periods and things about you know, how we read to understand. He says in verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Babies desire milk, but he's also encouraging them to have this desire. Infants crave milk, right? We know that. We understand this. They don't crave water. They don't crave pacifiers. Those things might be substitutes, but those things are not truly substitutes for milk. New Christians as babes, as babies, if you need to be a baby, then you need to long for milk and nothing else. In fact, notice there, depending on the version that you have, it says the pure or sincere milk of the word. 
Did you, know, did you notice that or have you thought about that before? Because here's the thing, a bit of a further study, a bit of digging a little deeper reveals that in the first century, that often in the first century, the milk was mixed together with a chalk-like substance, with gypsum, a chalk-like substance that was used in order to increase its volume. But what were these babies sometimes getting? Well, it wasn't pure milk. It was adulterated milk, not unadulterated milk. And so when we think about that, this means something even a little more. Peter here is saying that they should crave, they should desire the pure or the sincere milk of the word. Of course here, milk is the word that's used for the teaching of the gospel, the gospel system, the Christian life. Milk is the word of God. But I don't have to tell, I don't have to tell you this because I know that you, as many of you as parents know, but what's the word that's used here? Milk, right? As opposed to what? That the Bible speaks about in other places, meat, right? You don't cut up a, a steak, you don't grill a, a nice big steak ready to go and start feeding it to the newborn baby because they're not able to handle it. That, we would consider that quite often common sense, right? We understand that idea. But yet, as newborn babes sometimes, some people want more, right? They want to go further, and they're not ready for it yet. We, Jerry Corbin and I talk a lot sometimes and joke about the book, of, the book of Revelation, you know, and teaching something that's difficult like that. Many new Christians don't even have the basics down yet. They need to desire the sincere, your pure milk of the word, not worry about the deeper things just yet. A baby is not ready for meat, so they need to desire milk. Think about Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Jesus there at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. A baby acts in such a way that they desire milk, and newborn babes, spiritual babes, should be the same way. And even in a sense, as you grow, that is something that you should be yearning for. Four, if you've ever known someone who became a Christian and then they didn't show much interest in anything else after that, there's going to be a problem, as we're going to get into in the rest of the lesson and even this afternoon. We understand that concept, that if we don't have the milk, we're not going to grow. If we're asking what the question, how is it that babies act, not only do they desire milk, but number two, they avoid certain things that prohibit growth. Now, you understand from a, a true physical baby perspective, a baby's not avoiding certain things, but hopefully their parents are helping them with that, right? Again, they're not trying to give them a steak, something that won't even help them, that they're not ready to digest, or other things that are harmful to them. But as a baby, they need to, and of course in a physical sense with help of their parents, avoid certain things that prohibit their growth. When we talk in a spiritual sense, what do we mean? We'll go back to 1 Peter there, chapter 2, and verse number 1. Peter says, therefore, laying aside, and let's notice three categories here. The word all is used three times, so let's group them in that form. Number one, all malice. We need to avoid all malice. In fact, in another passage, I believe in one of the Corinthian letters, Paul would write that we need to be babies, you need to be babes, but he says in Malice, at least in the New King James. So in the form of malice, we need to be a babe in that way or certainly lay it aside. 
Malice seems like a very evil word sometimes. It does in my mind at least. It simply means the idea of wickedness, maybe even wickedness in general. Just idea of laying aside, putting off all malice or wickedness. The second group here is all deceit, hypocrisies, and envies. Will you understand deceit? Or guile, maybe a word that's used in your Bible there. Lying, right? Untruthfulness. We need to lay aside deceit. We need to lay aside hypocrisy. Pretending to be what you are not. We sometimes talk about the idea in the Bible of wearing a mask. The the idea behind the words of wearing a mask, acting, and being a hypocrite. We need to lay that aside. That prohibits growth. That is something that is certainly true for spiritual Bathes. We won't go around the room, obviously, this morning and go person by person and take a survey. But for some of you who became Christians maybe a little bit later in life, sometimes maybe people are, you know, 11, 12, 13, or, or a young person. But if you became a Christian later in life, was it a temptation to try to wear the name of Christ in a new sense, but also as you went back to your worldly friends? You didn't want to run them off, right? You want to keep your friends, and you find yourself stuck between the two, so you become a hypocrite as a spiritual babe. You don't understand it all yet, and you're trying to straddle the fence. Lay aside the hypocrisy. It will prohibit your growth if you try to stay in both sections, if you will. Not only the deceit, the hypocrisy, but also the envy, the discontent because of something that someone else has. You've got to lay it aside. Those things prohibit growth. And if you want to grow as you should and go past the stage of being a baby, then you've got to set these things aside. All malice, secondly, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. But number three there at the end of verse number one, all evil speakings. This would be to, to speak against someone. In fact, this is, there's an interesting note here. You may or may not have it in your Bible. But it's the same word that's used here for evil speaking that's used in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 20. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 20, it makes mention of this idea of backbiting. Backbiting. That's the same word used here for evil speaking. Is that something that is a concern or a temptation for spiritual babes, for babies? Absolutely. For people who are not yet mature, backbiting, speaking evil against others? Absolutely. If you want to grow as you should, though, as a newborn babe, you must avoid certain things. Yes, babies desire milk. Yes, there are certain things that they should strive to avoid. But number three, I had those on the screen. Sorry, I forgot about that. Number three, babies grow. Babies grow. Have you ever seen a malnourished child before? You know, that's something that we don't really see a lot of here, right? Here is in the United States of America. You know, we have all we could ever ask for. We have so much more than we need sometimes. We have so much more that we have a problem with having too much. I know you've seen the commercials on TV or the ads or those kinds of things for for children in other parts of the world who don't have enough, who truly struggle. A newborn Christian must have milk to grow spiritually. A baby must have something to help it grow. And when they do, they will grow. There are some people who, if they looked physically, 
the way that they were spiritually, they would appear malnourished. We sometimes joke or talk about if we could have a set of binoculars or glasses where we could look out amongst other people and, and see people physically the way that they are spiritually. You know, I've preached this sermon before, and it's one of my favorites, but the sermon that comes from 3 John, 3 John, verse number 2. Beloved, John writes, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You see, there are many people who their soul is great. Their soul looks like a bodybuilder, so to speak, right? Muscles popping out there. They're doing well, but spiritually, they look like those malnourished children in those pictures or those videos. What if our physical prosperity was the same as our spiritual prosperity? I'll tell you one thing. We'd have a lot more rear ends in the seats, right? Wouldn't we? If they said, oh, all I got to do is show up, and all of a sudden my bank account will look better or my body will be better. Yeah, I'll show up for that. Of course, that's not the way that it works. But a young babe, a baby must grow. Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 15. Study, study to show thyself approved unto God. The encouragement that you should keep studying. That being baptized is not enough, right? We, we can put people in the water. We can get them wet and dunk them under the water. But you must continue to study or we might even can say continue to grow. If you're still there, maybe in 1 Peter, go over to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. Of Peter's two epistles, the second one closes with the encouragement, but grow. But grow, grow in the grace of God. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do. Peter says grow, but do you know that if you were to sit down and read 2 Peter, that's the closing of this epistle? But go back to chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. He's not just telling them to grow, he's shown them how to grow. He says, for this very reason, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, and keep reading. He's told them what they need to do. Yes, go grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But here is how you add these things to your life. You continue to grow. You need to, we need to in one sense be a babe or a baby, but we must desire milk. And when we do that, we must continue to grow. You know, this is going to lead into our sermon a little bit for this afternoon but our passage from 1 Peter chapter 2 says that Christians are to desire the pure milk of the word. Why? What does it say? That you may grow. And even add in verse number 3 there. We've not touched on verse 3 yet. But he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The idea behind if there is not if but since. Since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Once you taste it, you shouldn't want anything else. Think about a newborn baby again, desiring that milk and wanting nothing else for the time being. Once a newborn babe in Christ has tasted the pure milk of the word, the word of God, they should seek nothing else but that life-giving source. Babies, if things are as they should be, they grow. 
But you know, even Jesus made comparisons, not to babies, but of course to children. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 through 5, where he talks about bringing the children to him? He calls a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. You know, we move out of the idea of a baby for just a moment to a a child, but there are other childlike characteristics that we must take on. Number one, we must be born again, and that's true. But there are other things that we must take on. Jesus says here we need to add humility. What about a sense of learning? You know, I know some kids, they get, they get older and they go to school and they don't want to go to school anymore, right? But, but at the same time, kids often have the sense of learning about them. Why is it that they do so many frustrating things that parents have to get onto them for, right? Why do we have to pull them back from the edge of the parking lot or the road or tell them not to touch the iron or all these things? They're learning. There's a sense of learning about children that we need to take in as well. What about a sense of innocence? Again, I know some children are mischievous and sometimes they seem to find trouble, but, but for the most part, an innocent child, especially a baby, is so pure and innocent. We need to take that on. And of course, what about a love for all? All people, right? As our country has been focused so much on prejudice and on things like that and talking about racism and all these things, it's very often in children that we see as they enter a classroom together or a group Unless they've been prejudiced ahead of time by someone or something, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter how tall or short or big or small or what color someone is, they have a love for all and no prejudices. When we think about being a baby and even being a child, we need to take on some of these same characteristics. If you want to go to heaven, in one sense, you must be a baby. Here's the thing, and again, to kind of set the stage for this afternoon, To be described as a spiritual infant when a person is born again, it's not meant to be a cutting remark. In fact, I'm telling you this morning to be a baby. It's not meant to be a cutting remark. It's simply a statement of fact. You've not had time to learn when you're first born again. You've not had the experience of not giving in to temptation. You don't come up out of the water having it all figured out. You've got things that you have to go through and experience and learn. There's no miracle that takes place when you're baptized for the remission of your sins that makes you a full-fledged, mature adult understanding everything. You have to be born again, but you also then, as we've talked about, have to desire milk and to grow and even to lay aside the things that are not good for us. Think back again as we begin to conclude this morning. Think back again to the joy of of a new birth. The excitement that builds around a young couple, the excitement that comes from the first time that they get out, or they bring that baby among other Christians and family members, and it's so exciting. Everyone wants to hold the baby, and it's so encouraging. As we think about that idea, the new life that comes from the new birth, speaking spiritually, of course, has purpose. It has joy. It has peace. It has hope. In that sense, be a baby this morning. Enjoy that new life that comes from the new birth. And enjoy the purpose that comes 
as you desire the milk and try to grow. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not been born again. Why not this morning be a baby? I understand that it becomes a bit of a cutting remark again, something that we attack people for. But in the spiritual sense, if you are here this morning and you've never been a babe in Christ, be a baby. You've got so many people here this morning who would help you, but you must make that decision. The question that we're about to sing in just a moment that Don selected for us is what will your answer be? As we sing at the end of the first verse, I believe it's what will your answer be to the question of life? And even the, song, the question that we sing in the chorus of the song, where will you spend your eternity? If you're here this morning and you've never been a baby, a babe in Christ, why not be obedient to the simple plan of salvation? Become a spiritual infant where you can desire that milk, you can grow, you can learn. But of course, as we're going to kind of set the stage and talk about this afternoon, maybe you've done that before. You say, well, I have been a spiritual infant. If you're here this morning, brother or sister, you are a Christian already. You don't stand in need of getting baptized time and time again when you mess up. But we also, during the singing of this song, encourage Christians. If you're here and you've wandered away in some form or fashion, away from God the Father, Jesus the Son, by sin, maybe you stand in need of coming back to him. Going back to that childlike attitude, that humility, that low in spirit, recognizing that we need to humble ourselves before God and ask for forgiveness from him. He will do that. He is just. He is faithful. He will forgive us that we can again walk in the light as he as in the light. You must be a baby. You must live that way. You must be born again. You must serve him. Do you need to make a change? You can now as we stand together and as we sing.